Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. And we're live, Earful of Dirt Lineouts, episode 11. I've got Eagles and Glendale Raptors scrum half, Sean Davies. How are you today, Sean? I'm doing good, Aaron. Thank you for having me on. Sorry about the technical difficulties, but we're going now, and that's all that counts. Oh, yeah. That's definitely all that counts. <laughs> <laughs> so you're from Durban, right? Yes, sir. Originally from Durban, South Africa. And then, uh, so when did you begin playing rugby? I began playing rugby pretty much when I could walk. So probably when I was around like five. My dad was actually my coach when I was young. So my dad coached me right up until I was about under 13, until I got into more school rugby. But yeah, my dad helped out with that. And then um, I actually played more uh, more soccer than rugby until I was about 13. So That seems to be the life of a scrum half. Yeah, um, yeah. Because uh, Holden Younger, like he played soccer. I, I, something happened and he decided to play rugby in high school, but he played, you know, a lot of travel soccer growing up. Oh, really? Yes. I'm sure he was better than me at soccer. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it when I was younger and then realized that I enjoyed tackling people a bit too much for soccer. So, you know, play more rugby. That's, I mean, that's, that's a great way to get rid of, you know, that communist kickball, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. I, Fair I, enough. I, I, I played soccer growing up. It's okay. I'm not. I just, you know, I'm a rugby guy at this yeah, point great. in life. That's so, uh, so you know, you went to Westville Boys. Is that a boarding school? So it's, I mean, for the most part, it's all day boys. So not really. There are okay. the schools growing. So they have about four houses they've bought around the area. So then those okay. are boarding. I mean, there are boys who board, but for the most part, it's just a day boy. So I'll just go to the day and then yeah, go home. So. Yeah, it's like I had a friend uh, in the army who uh, went to Pretoria Boys School, and he just, okay, he showed me it all, and I was like, "What the heck? Yeah, this is this is what you guys get? It's a different lifestyle, really. It's going to some of those schools back home. It's like some of them are almost castles, and a lot of my friends who have seen it they say it's a lot like Harry Potter, which I don't see the resemblance, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so. How'd you, um, how'd you choose to attend BYU back in 2008? So I'm, I'm not Mormon myself. So, I mean, it was a bit of a culture shock at first, but there's a South African guy that lives out in Utah. His name's uh, Rudolph. I mean, yeah, in Utah, his name's uh, Rudolph Mel. And he, um, he was looking to bring some South African guys over. So um, he contacted a couple high schools back, I mean, in the area where I'm from. And I just approached him, wanted to try something different. And I was like, oh, why not? Didn't think too much about it. Uh, researched BYU. And I was like, oh, you know, looks like a good school, good rugby program. And then once I got there, I came in winter, actually. And there was a massive snowstorm. and had never seen snow before. And I was <laughs> like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> but no, yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, at first it was a little bit of a culture shock. But all the all the rugby guys really help with the transition, and I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better program, a better school. So, so you know, you helped lead them to titles in you know two thousand nine, two thousand twelve. What were the the differences between those two championship seasons? 
The 2009 one for me was very special. I mean, the team we had then we was we were all super close. We growing. I mean, going into the playoff run, we'd all wake up at about 5 a.m., go and do some running in the morning together, and then just hold bond us really close. And I don't, I don't know if you remember from the final. I think we had about four yellow cards, and that Cal Berkeley team that we beat by no means should we have won with that many yellow cards. And it was just, it was a great experience. The the captain of the team for BYU then was Steve St. Pierre. And he did a great job of just uh, bringing all the guys together. And like I said, it was a great experience. That year was probably one of my, that was probably one of the highlights of my career, just winning that, winning that championship game. So you were a four-time All-American, twice as a U20 and twice as a senior All-American. In college, what did that take? Um, I think I mean I was just I'm just lucky that I grew up in a country where, as a scrum off, I'd go out in the backyard and throw the ball around with my friends the whole time and stuff like that. So, I mean, in college, I think it was more that like because I had all those skills that I would get all the guys together. We'll just do skills, we'll just be passing the ball around, and I think that helped for me too because. I was helping with that. I'll make sure that I'm keeping working my pass. I keep on working my kicking and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was I was lucky that I did have those skills growing up and I could help out with that. So, therefore, it enforced me to keep on working on my skills. So, 2012, special season for you. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we talked about the second national championship, but you were the MVP of? I was – in 2009, I was the MVP. I think Marky oh, okay. – Good old Marky Sewer was in 2012. For some reason, uh, the picture and the captions that I found, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. It was like, it was talking about 2012 and it had like the picture of the individual trophy they gave you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, all right, that's cool. Like that makes it something special, you know? Well, I can't take something. that one from Marky. I think he would, he would beat me, unfortunately. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, your fresh, first cap. Uh, in the Eagles shirt came that summer. Uh, yeah. How long had it taken you to work like, you know, into the squad uh, at that point? So for me, it was in two beginning of 2011. I didn't, until then, I didn't really think I had much of a shot, but then in the beginning of 2011, David Smith, who's the BYU head coach was relatively close with Eddie O'Sullivan. And that's when he was the coach, head coach of the Eagles. And um, David just um, just spoke to me and just said quietly that, you know, just, you know, Eddie is having a look at you and it's a shot, maybe a long shot, but there's a shot of you going to one of the next camps or anything. So I was like, okay, so this can actually be a possibility. So from then I made that, I mean, it was, it was always my goal in the back of my mind, but I didn't recognize, I mean, I was just playing rugby for fun and going through school, you know? And then when I recognized that it actually is a possibility, that's when I started pushing myself more for it and made it the goal that that's something I can achieve and wanted to achieve. So when I finally did in 2012, I mean, not I've, obviously I was like, okay, I'm here now, I want to stay here. But that was, that was very, I was very happy with that at that point. Do you know your Eagle number? I'm Eagle. At the, this is actually a funny story because when I got my first cap in uh, June of 2012, no one, it wasn't published or anything like that. So then my next cap that I got in 2013, they put that as my first cap. So then there was about 12 guys who had the wrong eagle number. And to this day, 
John Quill still gives me crap about it because he said that he liked his old number more than his new one because I changed his old one. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. So I'm all, I believe I'm eagle number 432. So uh, so I have you. I have, a, I have the list. I have you as 431, so at least you're close. At least you're close. I'll tell you who 432 supposedly is. Oh, I think on my jersey it says 432, so. <laughs> well, the list I've got, I mean – yeah, so Dre Liufau. Yeah, Dre. Who they, who they the list that ESPN compiles has is four thirty two. Okay. So yeah, maybe sorry. I submit that correction. So sorry, sorry to everyone who had to uh, change the ego number due to me or due to other people, but me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was, um, you know, I was talking to Dave, and he was like, "Yeah, they're they're making it a big deal now," and you know, when I was playing it. It sort of wasn't, and like it seems like intermittent at times. Like depending on who you talk to, that was an eagle. Like they know their number, they don't. And yeah, but it's not just us. Like so, I, I spoke with um, Alan Yarde, the coach of uh, Austin Elite, and he didn't know his like blue number. Like okay, it it wasn't a, like it's a thing, but he yeah. didn't know. And like, I think it depends which country. I know the All Blacks take it pretty seriously. South Africa take it pretty seriously. So it just depends from union to union what the culture is, I guess. So you've got a you've got a robo knee, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, but the good old Grizzlies back in the day. Um. So how do you play at the pace you've got now with that? So when I did my knee, I actually only did my MCL and PCL. So I was only out for like three, four months, and I didn't have to have surgery, luckily. Oh, really? Wow. That's, yeah, luckily, yeah. That looked a lot crazy. worse than it was watching the video after that one. I still cringe thinking of it today. But the thing that I think affected me more was I had to have back surgery in 2011, I think it was. I herniated a disc in my lower back. And it was pretty bad. And then I had tingling going down my leg and all that fun stuff. So I had to have surgery for that. And even to this day, it's still my back ties up the whole time. And I feel like I used to be rather quick back in the day, but I don't know what happened to that. But yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I never heard needed a disc, but like I have, I did something. So I have a lower back injury that is intermittent, comes back. And so I know, I sort of know that feeling, especially, yeah. when, you know, when you get sick, once you've had a lower back injury, you, like you feel it down there. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, mine reminds me of it every morning I wake up. So <laughs> there's that too. Yeah. Especially <laughs> in the good old cold of Colorado. So you played on an, on an old NASC team called the Pacific Coast like Pacific Coast Grizzlies, have you like changed your game at all since then? Um, yeah, I would say I will, especially in college. There's, how do I say this? In college, there's only about playing for BYU at least. There's about four games a year that are very competitive. Okay. And then after that, you there's some less competitive games and then there's games when you win by about 100 points. So... I would say in college, I used to try and run the wall a lot more just because I could. I didn't, I'm not, I probably shouldn't have. I probably should have tried, you know, give space to everyone on the outside. But because I could, I used to run the ball a lot more in college. But now that I'm playing at a little bit of a higher level and stuff like that, I recognize that that's not as much of an option as it is. 
as it was back then. So now I'm just trying to give get the ball as quick as possible and give the guys outside of me more time on the ball. So, you know, how were those NASC competitions? Uh, those- national scouting, whatever. Yeah, whatever they were, they were extremely fun. I have, yeah, I have very fond memories of those because uh, I believe with with the Pacific Coast Grizzlies, it was mainly BYU guys, St. Mary's guys, a couple of Cal Berkeley guys because Jack wouldn't really let too many other Cal guys play in it. And then you would have Central Washington guys and stuff like that. And the St. Mary's guys in BYU, for some reason, always get along very well. And, yeah, there was – there was some fantastic guys in there, and we played some really good rugby. So, uh, yeah, I have some really good memories from from those games back in the day. Should bring it back. Like, just yeah, I, I I would love for I guess they used to they, they before the NASCs there was the interterritorial competitions. I would love for those things to come back because I mean the the NA fours I believe it was. Uh, no, so NA fours were different. NA fours were like two. Two like sub national teams versus like two sub sub national teams okay, in Canada. Yeah. So like ITTs would be sort of like the NASC, but a lot bigger. So you would have more rep sides from different parts of the country. Okay, yeah. Um, basically, it's the same concept. Yeah. In, in yeah. So you played with Kyle Sumption. Yeah, Kyle Sumption. Kyle Sumption. He's the SaberCats captain. Yeah. What kind of player is he? He's um he he uh, Kyle was actually the best man at my wedding and yeah we were really good nice. friends at BYU we lived together and yeah he's a really good guy and let's just say he's not the most skillful rugby player in the world but he's a pretty physical human being and as a he's a good captain because he leads by example he's not going to be the guy who's singing hoorah or whatever but he's, I mean he's going to be doing in the dirty work and everything like that so well that's why he plays six yeah yep. Uh, yeah, he's. I, I met Kyle uh, back in. Well, I met him in October, and then I spoke with him at length back in December. Really good dude. Really like. Him. Oh, yeah, he's he's a really good guy, and he's good for rugby too. He stepped away for a while, so it's really good that he's back in rugby. And just the more people who stick with it and can grow the game, the better. So you met your wife at BYU. How has the life of you know a professional rugby player been for her? So she, uh, when I was at BYU, she went to a small college up in Salt Lake called Westminster. She, uh, she studied nursing. So, and uh, she's probably listening to this. And she said that I have to make sure that I mention that she is my biggest fan. It's probably pretty close be- between her and my dad, but yeah, she, I'm, I'm lucky to have her because uh, she's luckily she has a nursing job, so she can travel quite a bit. So, I mean, she's followed me from here or from Salt Lake to Atlanta to Colorado in between Ohio for a while. So yeah, I'm very lucky to have her. And she, I mean, she supports me through everything. So. So you moved to uh, life university to play senior club rugby. Um, this was after the demise of the super league. What drew you there? Um, so Dan Payne was the head coach at the time. And um, I wanted to get into coaching a little more. So he spoke to me, said I could get my master's there. So I got a master's in exercise science and um, I was helping coaching the undergrad team and playing for the men's team. So at the time, I thought, I mean, I thought it was a really good idea to go and get my foot into coaching, and it was a great idea. I really enjoyed my time at Atlanta. I got to work with Dan Payne and then Scott Lawrence. I mean, and those two have great rugby brains. So I learned a lot from both of them, and, yeah, very thankful for my experience there. So like you said, you coach the undergraduate team at Life. Uh, does Dave let you get away with coaching uh 
you know, the, the halfbacks or does he have you fixing Academy scrum halves? I mean, I help out with the Academy. And, and the good thing with Davey is that with the Glendale team itself, we have, we have a lot of people who have a rugby brain or at least think they have rugby brains. So in the back line, we have myself, Will, Atta, Bryce, and then the list goes on and on and on. So sometimes we'll be doing stuff and we'll be bickering between ourselves and then Davey puts his foot down and says, no, this is what we need to do. And it's good. Otherwise, we'll just keep on chatting about it for hours and hours. So, Davey, I mean, Davey lets us put in things where we need to and he's pretty good about putting his foot down when he needs to too. So he's pretty good about all that stuff. How did you get to Ohio to play for the Aviators? So the, fun, the funny thing is that I said to, I was speaking to Steve Lewis and I said, oh, he asked me where I wanted to go. So I said, okay, I'll go anywhere but Ohio. Because <laughs> <laughs> my wife wanted to head back to the West Coast. So we were like, okay, yeah, because I was graduating at life at the time. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give rugby another go, have another shot at it. So I was like, yeah, I'll join pro rugby. I said to him, anywhere but Ohio. So ended up at Ohio, and, I mean, it was a great experience for me. Playing with, I mean, the guys we had there, we played some exciting rugby. So I'm pretty thankful for my experience there. And Ohio is a lot cheaper than other places to live, so I lucked out on that one. Oh, oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't realize at that time, but no, it was great. So, so you said you liked it, but how would you describe, like, the whole, I guess, the experience, you know, I guess the beginnings of a professional system in the U.S. And then you guys end up, you know, what is the de facto final against the Denver team? Yeah, so I think the Ohio team grew more than anyone because, I mean, we had a lot of full-time guys and we brought the most guys in from outside. So as the season went on and we played more and more together, we just got better and better. So... I mean, we had uh, and we had a lot of rugby brains. We had Dom Wardock, we had Jamie McIntosh. So I mean, they those international guys that came in, I think we lucked out because Jamie would help a lot with the defense. Dom would help with a lot of the back stuff, and I think we just all clicked together. So I think, like I said, as the season went on and on, we just got to know each other more. And then, unfortunately, we we lost a few uh, games in the beginning, so that didn't help us when it came down to the the final in the end with Denver. The final that we won, but end up losing the losing the league. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what drew you to Glendale over you know possible other opportunities? Now, you know that Major League Rugby has started. So, uh, in 2013, actually, I came to Glendale for a season and loved it. I mean, Colorado is a great place. My wife wanted to stay somewhere in the Rockies. I mean. She works, my wife works at the Children's Hospital out here in the ICU, so she loves that. So, and I've worked with Davey Williams before, a bunch of the guys out here. So, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty easy decision for me to come come back to Glendale. Plus, I mean, we have the, the facilities we have here, second to none. So. So you, you no longer work out at the fire station? They're actually building a new gym for us as we speak. That was meant to be done in September. But it should be done any day now and it'll be ready for our preseason. So it's it's about double the size of the gym we have now. It's got a nice little turf area in it for skills while we work in and stuff like that. So construction projects in this country have to jump through a lot of hoops for some reason. Yeah. Especially when it's a construction for a city. 
So you went a, you know, you went a few years between caps. Uh, so what did you, what did it take for you to work back into the squad, uh, you know, to be an every match player in 2017? So yeah, I felt, I felt out of favor with Tolks and that's fine. I've come to terms with that. So that's when I decided that I wanted to step more into coaching. So I pretty much, I mean, I, and I love coaching. I really enjoyed it at life. Once I'm done playing with Glendale, I really want to get back into coaching. And that's one of the reasons I keep playing because I want to I want to get more experience so I can one day be a better coach. So I was, I mean, coaching down at life and really enjoying it. And then um, I went back to pro rugby and played decently there. And then John Mitchell gave me the call. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I can have a second run at it. I, I never thought about it too much beforehand. I was just enjoying playing playing rugby and I think I think that's what helped a lot going back I mean going to Ohio and just enjoying the rugby I was playing just playing some running rugby and getting the ball back in my hand as much as possible and I think that really helped and then when John uh, when Mitch gave me the call I mean that was that was fantastic to get back into the system and the fact that I've been there ever since it's just I mean I'm really lucky to have done that so and then over the summer and this fall you've worked yourself into um what I say is the the choice to be first choice scrum half. I, I think you you are the guy until Ruben Nahas uh, yanks you down. You know he's like he's you know nineteen twenty years old. So well, he's, he's only about eight years younger than me. So good for him. He's got a little ways to go. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you're. What did it take to um, assert yourself at the nine position? Well, time? I mean, yeah, it depends who you ask. I mean, if you ask me. Between Nate and I, it just depends on each weekend who's going to be playing. I'm very lucky, and he's very lucky too, that we have such a such a good competition between each other. So we just drive each other a lot. So, I mean, even when we're from away from the Eagles, I know that he's working super hard. He knows that I'm working super hard to get better. So I think we just drive each other all the time. And like I said, we're we lucky to have the competition because it just makes us makes us better going into each camp. So I think, I think from – from last ARC to this ARC, I think we both improved a ton due to that competition. So we, we've seen what the team can do when it's, you know, all cylinders are clicking in matches against Canada and Germany. What, what do you think are the things necessary for the team to be clicking like that at the beginning of a tour? I, th- I think it's just hard for the Eagles because, I mean, going into that Germany game, we only – we got into Germany on the Sunday and had a week to train, whereas most other teams will have an extended camp going into the game week when they've been all been together or trained together. So just just need more time together. And going into this year, hope I mean going into the ARC, we get there on the Wednesday and have nine days to ten days to train before we even get into the Argentina game. And the more we can do that, the more we can get the camps going into the games, will just help out a ton. And I think. Even though that Georgia game we ended up losing, I thought we played some really good rugby there. And I mean, it came down to one kick. And the fact if we had won that game, that would have been a huge, huge, huge game for the USA. And again, it's if buts or maybes, but yeah, you guys, uh, you guys responded really well to uh, the way momentum and adversity like affected you guys. Because I thought watching the game and seeing how we have played over the last two years. I wasn't sure where it was going. And then you guys came out in the second half and it was just, you know, towards the end of the first half, it was like, Whoa, like the team is going. And then in the second half, it was 
was sort of was sort of heartbreaking because you guys played a really good match. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think going from now going into the World Cup it will be a little more stable cuz we know we have Gary Gold now. We know for the most part what the I mean the team is and stuff like that. So I think going forward we will we'll get more used to each other and I think we're just continuing to improve and hopefully this ARC we can do again really well again and then go into the summer tour we can knock something big off. So, you know, how has the team responded to the now settled coaching situation? You know, Mitch announced he was leaving before the summer tour and I mean, we qualified for America's one. So that's, that's, that was the first yeah. step. Yeah, that's huge. The huge. Um, I mean, we all, all the. If you ask all the players, we all agree we were really lucky to have Mitch. He was a great, great coach, great guy, great for the team culture. And um, when when we found out that he was leaving, it was a bit of a disappointment because I mean, we all got along with him so well, and he just he brought the best out of the guys. But we were very lucky to have Dave Hewitt in the, the November tour. I think we all lucked out to have have him come in because we could have gone backwards. And the fact that he kept us going forwards for one two-week tour was very, very lucky. And then um, going into Gary Gold, I mean, we haven't worked with him at all, but I'm sure he will do fantastic things for the team. And the fact that we're going to be settled now for the whole year and then going into the uh, World Cup year, um, good things should happen. Many good things can happen, right? Mighty, Mighty Joe seems to like him, so I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, if Joe likes him, I'm sure we all like him. <laughs> so, um, so this, this the fall tour was two weeks, but uh, I heard from after the match, I heard a lot of stuff chatter like and read a lot of chatter on Facebook from people who were stationed at Clay Kaysern and uh, for U.S. Army Garrison Wiesbaden about your camp. Um, you know, what did you guys do to make it special for, you know, the servicemen and families in Germany? The thing is, to be honest, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much for us to impact someone's life. So, I mean, we're, we're training on the U.S. Army base there. So whether it's when we're in the gym, just saying hi to someone, just speaking to them for a second, or um, a couple of the guys one night went in uh, – I went and spoke to some of the kids, went and um, introduced themselves, signed some autographs and stuff like that. And then after the game, we made sure to take a picture with all this, the, the Army, uh, U.S. Army people and um, just made sure that every time we spoke to anyone, we just, you know, interacted with them, said hi. And just that small little impact, I mean, it makes a huge difference to everyone else. And to be honest, it doesn't really take that much for us to do that. So we're just going to make sure that every time we do impact, someone's lives is positive, you know. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned you know Coach Hewitt kept you guys going forward. He received uh, he also received a lot of praise individually for his outreach efforts, uh, you know, while in Germany. But what was he like on the training pitch? Um, I think I really like a lot of the way that the Kiwi coaches work because it's very player driven. It's not a coach standing saying, we have to do this. We have to do that. And anytime something goes wrong, he's screaming at you. It's very player driven as in letting the players drive themselves. And then he has a way of it. I mean, Mitch had the same way, but um, has a way of getting, get, getting the players to go where he wants them to, but getting on themselves, getting, getting to that point by themselves. Cause then the players end up buying into it so much more as opposed to just, Someone telling you exactly what to do. So, so I I remember was it I think 
back when I interviewed Mark, he said uh, that, you know, you guys were sort of free to go if you wanted to go to a different club back when it opened up. Did, did you get a call from Kimball Care asking? Because people were like, Davies went to BYU. He's, he's probably going to leave, you know. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I definitely had more than one conversation with Kimball. The whole the whole thing with the league is that in order for a CEO or coach of another team to speak to a player of, let's say, let's say Utah speaking to Glendale, then um, Kimball would have to speak to Mark Bullock or someone to say, hey, I'm going to speak to Sean. Is that OK? So he went through all the proper protocols and we spoke about it and we just – we just decided that for now it's probably better for me just to stay in Glendale because I've been moving my, my, my wife around so much. She's really enjoying a job. I'm really enjoying everything in Glendale. And um, I said one day, who knows, maybe I'll go back there. Maybe I'll in a coaching capacity of who knows. But for now, I'm going to be sticking around in Glendale and I'm really enjoying it. So, Yeah, I, I th- think you guys, yeah, you know, you've got a pretty pretty intense team out there. That uh, day that you guys fielded under the, the Merlin shirt this uh, this fall, and uh, good old Merlins, you know uh, that that's an interesting dynamics on the club side now that you know MLR has kicked off because they're in the Merlins are in like two conferences, sort of. Yeah, so that you guys get so you guys so your D one team gets uh you know high quality games all the time so that it feeds well into you know protein but um so here's some fun stuff we'll play a game okay uh so these are three south african scrum house in their prime start bench or cut okay do it neil de cock warner swampole or juice van der westhusen Oh, U.S. to always be U.S. to has a has a soft spot in everyone's heart. I mean, he's probably one of the best scrum halves of all time, and what he went through is just unbelievable. The fact, the strength that he showed. So U.S. U.S. to always start. Neil de Kock will probably be on my bench, and then Swanepoel. Sorry, mate. <laughs> so you know, as a as a as a halfback, uh, you know, the joke is. You guys like your hair product, but I see you've cut your hair, so maybe not. Yeah, unfortunately, but, unfortunately there's not much going on here. I lost. I, I, I gave up the fight. Just decided to. You know, that's what I was going to ask because I'm I'm approaching the time. <laughs> what what made what what prompted the you know? It's like just, or you could be like Manu Ginobili and just hold on because. Yeah, no, I just decided it was time, and I had a uh, as you know, Mitch. His uh, his head was more shiny than the mirror, so he'd always give, <laughs> he'd always give me crap the whole time about how I was losing the fight and it was time. So I just decided, you know, why not? It's a lot easier this way. I wake up in the morning and I already look beautiful. So, <laughs> so, so does Will have? Has he gotten the team a deal with L'Oreal? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. But um, he does have some fantastic hair, self-proclaimed. So, yeah, he worked for he worked for L'Oreal for a while, and um, I actually lived when I first came to Glendale. I lived with Will for a while, and if you uh, went to the bathroom, there was about one whole dresser that was Will stuff, and you open all up, and it was all L'Oreal products. So, <laughs> I don't know if he stole it when he left, or he just inherited it. So. Oh my, that's that's funny. Just 
<laughs> Everything. Um, so this question is was sent in from another BYU alum. Okay, okay. That's worrisome. Uh, I, I think you so how do you describe your abhorrence for Utah University? Uh, so for me for me, I didn't really uh, have that hatred that everyone else did for Utah because I just appreciated when we got to play competitive rugby in, in college. Because like I said earlier, you play four or five games that are very competitive and then the rest of the year you're playing games that you build bad habits, etc. So I was, I mean, I just love the fact that we got to play Utah twice a year and that was one of the more competitive games we played. So Utah, Cal Berkeley, St. Mary's, I really enjoy those games. So those are games I look forward to every game. I mean, if... Some if every year if some people grew up with the hatred for Utah and that's what helped them get, get and for the game whatever good for them but even even today on Facebook and stuff whenever BYU plays Utah in anything I see all this hatred and I'm just like oh come on <laughs> hey I, it's just um, it's the holy war I get it yeah exactly yeah but so what is you know what is this I I don't really know how to like put it in terms like for someone who's, you know, from somewhere else, but what is the, it's, it's the biggest rivalry you can ever imagine. Just put it that way. If it's basketball, football, chess, whatever it is, if it's BYU playing Utah, it's huge. Well, I mean, I'm a, was it like, so I went to VMI and our big rival is the Citadel. I wish the Citadel was cut out of the geography and removed. (laughs) So, (laughs) So that's, I mean, I think that probably describes, you know, the normal hatred in, you know, yeah. rivalries that occur in this country at the collegiate level. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and 99.9% of BYU would say the exact same thing, but not as politely. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. So you said you're not Mormon. So when missionaries do come knock on your door, what do you do? Like, cause this happened to me. I'm in Arizona and like, I grew up with Mormons, you know, missionaries all the time. And I think this was the only time I was just like, Hey guys, um, I am comfortably Catholic. So if you want a granola bar, yeah, and they're like, they're like, Oh, okay. We're, we're just, we're done. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, all of my friends at BYU went through the mission and I mean, I know that it's not the most exciting thing in the world. They all, I mean, it's, it's a difficult time for them. So I know that if I, I mean, if I see missionaries, I always be nice. I'll say, Hey, how's it going? I mean, if I'm at a restaurant, I'll try to get them food or something like that. But well, they're, they're, they're hustling. Like I said, I mean, I've got, I mean, one of my friends, uh, you may have heard of him. I don't know. He was a, a, a point guard at BYU. Okay. Uh, Brock Zilstra. Well, I mean, not Jimmy for that. No, the backup, that guy, you know, <laughs> Jimmer for that. I've that guy's that guy's really good. Like yeah, he is. he's in China right now, doing pretty well. So so. Um, but actually, funny story about the missionaries is that all the guys in the BYU team, every time they went to the temple in Salt Lake, there's always missionaries there, and every time they'll give them my phone number or another guy that came <laughs> over with me from South Africa, and we both. <laughs> And I had like seven uh, phone numbers on my phone saved. Missionary one, missionary two, missionary three. <laughs> did, did I feel like answering that phone call on that day? That's, I mean, I, 
they're persistent. They yeah. are persistent in they are persistent in how they're driving their faith. And as a person of faith, I can I can appreciate that. Yeah. But it's always interesting to know what people's missionary stories are because some people well, they don't have good ones. So yeah. and it's because they it's because their reaction, not because like I've never met like every Mormon I know is a really good person. So yeah. Um hmm. Anything you want to tell the world? Because I think I um, just everyone make sure you back the MLR. I feel like I feel like it's it's here to stay. It's how everyone's going about it is the right way. And if USA back it and everyone tries to come out to the games, that's the biggest thing. We just need butts in the seats. So as long as we do that, I think. It will be a great thing for rugby in the U.S. So please, everyone, make sure you come out to whether it's Houston, Glendale. I don't really care which team. Just make sure you go to the games. I mean, hopefully Glendale, but yes. <laughs> well, um, everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, that about wraps it up. I am back here on the 23rd interviewing Will Maggie, uh, the fly half of the uh, Glendale Raptors. Uh, to complete the Glendale team series. Uh, great talking to you today, Sean, and uh, see you in a couple of weeks. Go Eagles. Yep. Thank you very much, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Yep. This has been Line Outs by Earful of Dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>